From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, March 22nd. Nearly a third of some 100,000 archaeological sites in Utah have been damaged over the last few decades. This year, the Utah State Historic Preservation Office is trying to share conservation tips to as many as possible. Their, quote, Pledge to Protect the Past initiative educates visitors on best practices around these sensitive areas. Justin Higginbottom speaks with an archaeologist about the campaign. Spring has officially arrived, and with the warmer weather in southern Utah, so have tourists. That means it's also a time of year that makes some archaeologists sweat. Hello, I'm Governor Spencer Cox. Did you know that people have been here in Utah for more than 13,000 years? The state has kicked off a new campaign to prevent damage and vandalism to archaeological sites. You're listening to the announcement from our governor. These physical places where we can go to visit the past are much more fragile than they look. Elizabeth Hora is an archaeologist with the Utah State Historic Preservation Office, and she says damage to ancient sites is a growing problem. I have been working for the State Historic Preservation Office for about seven years. And in that time, I've heard time and time again from land managers, hikers, and other archaeologists that we're seeing a real increase in the number of damage to archaeological sites. Last year, vandals defaced the birthing rock petroglyph panel near Moab, and a climber installed bolts near another petroglyph in the area. But Horace says the vast majority of damage doesn't come from vandalism, and the days of large-scale looting are luckily over. Horace says now most damage is unintentional. But for the most part, it's death by a thousand cuts on these sites. We know that everyone's got good intentions, so we just want to help people realize those good intentions. Her office has created a six-week newsletter for visitors on protecting these sites. Horace says that social media has been a major driver of traffic to sensitive areas, Now she hopes it can also help to preserve them. We do know that for many of these sites, the toothpaste is out of the tube. We give people opportunities to report new problems that they see and also to become a site steward. If you are on a site and it really moves you and you really love it, you can work with our office to monitor that site and come back to it, you know, year after year, every few months and make sure that it stays in good condition just in the way that that you would like it to be seen. There are several hundred archaeologists in the state, but with over 100,000 sites, they're spread pretty thin. Hora says crowdsourcing protection can help. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. With gas prices on the rise, the demand for electric vehicles might be growing. And at Utah State University's Logan campus, something big is in the works. An electrified roadway called Aspire. And researchers are hoping it could provide a major stepping stone for electrified vehicles. Colleen Might with our partners at UPR has more. A groundbreaking technology is underway in collaboration with Utah State University to electrify roads. This in-road wireless charging technology will charge the batteries of electric vehicles while driving along the road or at rest, reducing the need to maximize battery range and lowering the need for large batteries. Several collaborators, including Electron, a provider for wireless charging solutions for electric vehicles, are working with USC researchers to implement their technology in a real-life setting in the U.S. Stefan Tonger, Electron's vice president, is helping introduce it to the U.S. market. Imagine having your vehicle 
and instead of stopping to charge it, you'll drive and it will be charged automatically without you doing anything, thereby not needing to have a huge battery, making vehicles more affordable. Imagine not having to charge with a very high power. You have inductive technology with coils embedded in the road, a coil, which we call the receiver underneath the vehicle. Electron, an International Science Foundation Engineer Research Center known as Aspire, announced last week that they are launching a joint demonstration of their project this summer. Electron's dynamic or in-motion wireless charging technology is being installed at Aspire, USU's test track in North Logan. The first ever demonstration of this technology in North America will consist of 50 meters of in-road wireless charging hardware, allowing a vehicle to charge while driving above the metal plates. Tunger speaks more about the impact this demonstration will have. We are creating the future today of electrifying our vehicles. We are doing it here and bringing research together to make sure that what we do is safe, that it's sustainable in terms of reducing emissions, but also materials from batteries or other aspects. The project marks a significant advancement in electrons and USU's efforts towards making sustainable mobility infrastructure for the nation and the world. I'm Colleen Might. Albuquerque, New Mexico, boasts that it's, quote, the hot air balloon capital of the world and hosts an international festival each fall. For several months, the Federal Aviation Administration restricted where balloons can fly in the city, and that sparked concern. But Emma Gibson of the Mountain West News Bureau reports that now the winds might be changing. It's almost 6 a.m. in Albuquerque, and the temperature is hovering around 40 degrees. There's a slight breeze on this early March morning. I'm with the crew of the hot air balloon company Rainbow Riders as they prepare for the day's flights. A couple dozen tourists from Canada to Wisconsin are waiting in the garage. For some, it's their first hot air balloon flight. Lizzie Myers with her family, and she says she's a bit nervous. Just a little bit. <laughs> Not so much about being up in the air, but taking off. Oh, taking off will be nice and peaceful. Really? Over the last couple of months, where tourists can fly has shifted. The FAA barred balloonists from flying over much of the city, including downtown. That threatened the iconic splash and dash, a move where pilots dip the balloon's basket into the Rio Grande and then fly away. Now, you don't ever want to do a dunk and clunk where you end up going too deep in the water and everybody's got wet shoes and wet pants. That's Scott Appleman, the founder of Rainbow Riders. At the beginning of March, his flights had to take a different route over a bunch of cookie-cutter subdivisions on the outskirts of the city. The reason? An FAA rule that limits where these balloons can fly. Back then, he said the restriction could cost his company up to a million dollars this year. Local and state officials also were worried because ballooning powers the economy here. Just one event brought over $200 million to the metro area in 2019. Here's what Appleman said then. The impact is large. I mean, it could literally be terminal to hot air ballooning over the city of Albuquerque. So I went out with the Rainbow Riders crew to see the impact of the FAA rule. As the guests load into the vans to drive to the launch site, I get in with Damien Curson. He's one of their pilots. Um, we'll be heading over to Cottonwood Mall uh, on the west side of Albuquerque just to send up a, a test balloon, check the winds, make sure everything looks good. Um, depending on what direction the winds are going, we need to go as far out as possible to ensure that we can do our full flight and still stay out of that airspace and not violate it. What do you think, Greg? I'm okay with it. All right. I like What's that the plan? Right. I like that right 
The test balloon looks good, so the crew blows cold air into the balloon with a fan. Then they start the burners and the balloon stands upright. And there they go, to the edge of the city. Last week, Rainbow Riders and other balloonists got some good news. After they and local and state officials complained about the FAA rule, the agency changed course. It's allowing balloonists back into the heart of the city. It created a one-year waiver for balloonists who agree to proper procedures, and Appleman is thrilled. I'm flying in the sky without my balloon right now because uh, we got it done, and it was very humbling to have so many folks uh, support us in our cause. If pilots don't agree to the terms, the rule stands. Any aircraft that wants to fly around a mid-sized airport like Albuquerque's needs to install a piece of tracking equipment. It receives the craft's GPS location, and that data is sent to other aircraft and air traffic control. Peter Cuneo is the vice president of a local ballooning club. He says the FAA rule requires the equipment to be permanently mounted and have an electrical system. Neither makes sense for a wicker basket and a fabric balloon. The regulations were not written with balloons in mind. Local and state officials are very pleased with the one-year stay. The FAA says a panel is working on a longer-term solution. Meanwhile, Rainbow Riders agreed to the FAA's waiver and is back flying by popular Albuquerque views. I'm Emma Gibson. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, March 22nd. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. 